Right. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We're continuing COVID Vaccine Victim Awareness Month, and I'm very glad to be here today with Ruth O'Rafferty. How are you doing today, Ruth? I'm doing great, thanks, Nick. I was just saying earlier, wasn't I, that if you'd asked me three years ago how I was doing, I'd say, oh, I just don't feel so great today. But I feel so much better than I did um, 18 months ago. Um, you know, life's still not perfect. I still can't work. There's no chance of that. And I still can't drive. Um, but, um, you know, the last month I've been able to go out on my own, which is a huge breakthrough for me out in public transport or by myself. Um, so I, I feel liberated. Honestly, the things that you take for granted when you're well, you just, I, I'm just so grateful for now. Oh, that, yeah, no, that is wonderful. It's good that we can have a sort of good news story uh, today. And and we will focus a lot on these private treatments that you've been able to find. Probably worth noting that the NHS hasn't come into this just straight out the gate. Um, but it's best that we understand your story and when it happened um, and what your symptoms have been and all the rest of it. If you could take us through that, first of all. Yeah, no problem. Um, so I um, had an AstraZeneca vaccine in March 2021 and I felt slightly odd afterwards, but I didn't really think much of it um, because we were told that all we'd get is maybe a, a mild flu or something like that, pain in the arm. Um, so, yeah, I went back for my second vaccine in June 2021 and then two weeks later started going into anaphylaxis. And there didn't seem to appear to be any particular trigger that was identifiable. Um, and I now know that what they call that is idiopathic anaphylaxis. And it's where your body's producing chemicals by itself. There's just no known cause for it. Um, and after that, following on from that, I started to develop lots of neurological symptoms as well. Um, I mean, the list is very long um but it culminated in me sometimes having temporary paralysis in my arms and excruciating pain um in different parts of my body um loss of balance you know I'd go for a walk with my husband and I would just veer off to the left that was you know a lefty he called me um I'm not but there we go um yeah, the brain fog was terrible. I remember once being in the car with my husband and I literally, I was, I ended up crying and just saying, would you please stop talking? Because I can't handle anyone talking. I couldn't process words sometimes. So people would talk to me and I'd just smile. <laughs> I'd just look at them and go, I have a clue what you say. I can't, it was like they were talking in a completely different language. And sometimes I'd not be able to form sentences myself. So that's how bad. I got neurologically. Um, so in the end, I went to see a private doctor because the NHS, you know, bless them, they're doing their best, but they're lost with all of this. Um, I had a referral to see an immunologist because of the anaphylaxis. I saw somebody from the anaphylaxis clinic in Scotland and they acknowledged that I was having mast cell symptoms, but that it should just sort itself out eventually and just keep taking high, high doses of H1 antihistamines. But of course, by this time, I already knew I had mast cell activation syndrome because a lovely doctor friend of mine who has long COVID told me about it and told me to go and look it up. So I did, and I joined support groups, and I now know that there's lots of different medications you need to be on. So the I, I spoke to the consultant about that at the anaphylaxis clinic and she just told me that it was all a load of nonsense, um, that those medications weren't in use whatsoever and just to keep taking um, very high doses of flexifenidine, which was not going to help. It was going to stop me going into anaphylaxis, but it wasn't going to calm down my mast cells. So to explain what mast cells are, that's um, <clears throat> cells that are in your immune system Imagine your immune system have cells. I don't, I don't think they're white blood cells, but I think they're associated with white blood cells. And um, they're there for a reason. And what they do is they release chemicals that alert your body that something's wrong. So if you have an infection, you'll start to get a temperature and you'll feel a bit lousy. Um, and if you get stung by a bee, you'll 
release histamine and start to swell so you know to go and get help or to lie down or or you know so you can recover but if your mast cells go into overdrive they produce far too many chemicals and they're in every part of your body so uh they're you know they, they affect you neurologically cardiology cardiologically your vascular system your skin your digestive system your bladder and, and your kidneys all your organs I mean basically oh your bones I mean they affect every part of your body so if you have extreme mast cell reactions or cytokine storms they call it um, you have multi-system dysfunction um, and you have a wide range of symptoms so one day you might have hives all over your body and then the next day you might have a really high heart rate that you can't control or unstable blood pressure or the next day you might have chronic diarrhea or loss of your your um, control of your bladder or you know it just varies so um interrupt me if you have any questions <laughs> no well I, it, as I was saying to you before we begun um the more people that I talk to that have suffered as a result of this the more we can see patterns and similarities and everyone has described neurological issues but um well I suppose the neurological issues are still just a symptom of the, of the main um problem in your case which which is an immune system problem, or is your body basically interpreting that it's under threat every which way? Is that Precisely. pretty much what's going on? Absolutely. Yeah. And um, I mean, I reckon that, I mean, I now know that now I'm healing and, and things are improving. I can recognize where things go wrong, whereas before it was just a big mess. Um, whereas now I recognize that if my uh, nervous system is overstimulated, then I get all sorts of incredibly weird physical symptoms. So okay. there's okay. the allergy type reactions, but there's also the nervous system reacting and overreacting, just as you said. Um, so like this last night, I couldn't sleep. I, I, I had insomnia because my nervous system is in overdrive after being in Edinburgh on Saturday and such a big event and even just going out and going to Edinburgh was a big thing. So I know it's going to take several days for my nervous system to calm down. So I'm not worried about it. But that can, um, unfortunately, in some people really affect their mood and cause suicidal tendencies as well, which is um, quite alarming and concerning. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty difficult stuff. But this was a this was a pre-existing condition before COVID, not with you, not present in you, but uh, we at least knew what mast cell activation syndrome was prior to 2020. Is that right? Yes, but the problem is that it's, it's, it's widely known about in America, but not in the UK. When I mentioned it to my GP, thankfully, he's quite young. And he said, oh, yes, we were told about that when we trained, but we literally did 10 minutes of training on this. So they don't know how to treat it. A lot of GPs won't even have heard of it because it's a relatively new, newly discovered condition. It's not a new condition. In America, they reckon 17% of the population have it. Um, so it's not that uncommon. Um, but it's usually under control, but will flare up from time to time. But then your mast cells will calm down. Mine was a very extreme reaction. With some people, um, you know, they'll have weird and wonderful symptoms and they'll go for tests and the tests will all come back normal. So they'll start to think they're a bit of a hypochondriac, but they might actually have mast cell activation because we don't have tests in the UK that show that. We don't have any. So it's just basically by history. In the States, they do um, special tests, um, urine tests and blood tests, which we don't do here. Um, so, yeah. But you have had progress. And recently you've had you've had some progress. In this yes, case. I have. Yes. Um, I went to see um, a private doctor in Glasgow. Am I allowed to say his name? Uh, I guess that's kind of up to you and up to Yeah, him. yeah, well, I'm sure you will. Mine's Dr. Maddie, um, and he is a consultant 
in infectious diseases or was and now he works privately and he's a bit of a mast cell specialist but he's also um, a member of the FLCCC group um they've got a special name some kind of alliance I can't remember what it is um but if you if you googled FLCCC protocol you'd find them um and uh so that's a group of doctors worldwide who are if you like experts in long COVID and in vaccine injury and COVID so he first got involved because he became a COVID specialist as a as a, an infectious diseases specialist he ended up focusing mainly on COVID and then on long COVID and unfortunately I think a lot of his patients now are vaccine injury patients um, so he was able to diagnose me um, just from my history and a quick exam. He didn't even have to do any blood tests or anything like that. He's actually works closely with Dr. Tina Pierce as well, um, who is a, who's one of the foremost mast cell activation specialists in the UK. So, right. um, so he put me on um, some very controversial medications. I'm sure um, you'll have spoken to people on your podcast before about ivermectin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, the horse dewormer. Exactly, so I go, nay, nay, because that's what people post on Twitter whenever I say I'm on it, so I'll just, <laughs> a bit of humour there. <laughs> really, I'm trying to remember if if saying ivermectin is one of the no-no things on, uh, on, on YouTube or whatever, but oh. I mean, it's well known to be <laughs> very widely available and used for many, many things, and and quite mild really in terms of like it's not gonna it's not gonna screw you up if you have it if I were to have ivermectin it wouldn't make me there wouldn't be a risk of me getting ill from it no no I think that in um, a very small number of cases it can cause some liver issues but those are easily spotted I mean you get a rash and you go yellow and you stop it basically (laughs) (laughs) Um, but um, I um was reacting to almost everything I went on. So, I mean, for example, um, you know, even fexofenadine, even the antihistamine that was stopping me going into anaphylaxis, I had to titrate up slowly over time to be able to take a full dose because I was reacting to that. I reacted to the steroids that I was given by the hospital to stop me going back into anaphylaxis. So I was very reactive. And so I swallowed this pill going, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And nothing happened. But actually, within a couple of hours, I started to feel almost a physical sensation in my brain, if that makes sense. I could feel the inflammation in my head changing and going down. I know it sounds crazy. I sound sound slightly bonkers, but I could feel a physical difference. Um, And um, within days... I really notice a remarkable difference. Um, so it's it's his an anti-inflammatory, um, but it also apparently really helps your gut biome. And um, of course, a lot of people say that the the gut brain um, correlation is very important. So you need a healthy gut to have a healthy brain. So if you have really poor cognitive um, function or brain fog, then you need to get your gut looked at. So it's good for that. Um, but the main thing that it's good for is that it's an antiviral and it actually binds to the spike protein to stop the spike protein from binding with your own cells. So it's, it shields you from the spike protein. But of course, we don't know how much protein, how much spike protein our bodies are producing as a result of these vaccines. I think it's bonkers. I never realized. I thought I was just getting a vaccine. I didn't realize I was taking something that would cause my own body to generate spike protein, you know? And and I didn't know that it was gonna end up in every part of my body. I thought it was going to be at the injection site because that's what we were told. But of course, now there's finding spike proteins in in brain matter, in um, bowel, in ovaries, even in bone marrow, because our bodies are producing the spike protein everywhere it's out of control um so unfortunately i think this can happen from getting covid infection as well as a vaccine 
so long COVID, long haulers and um, you know, vaccine injured also have a lot of overlap. But uh, research has shown that the spike protein produced from the vaccines is actually harder to eradicate and to clear. Um, but of course, there's still research ongoing with that. I, I think it's really worth dwelling on um, on what you just brought up there, which is that um, when when you had this jab, you were told you were sold it using the word vaccine, which is a very well established treatment mm -hmm. that we all understand what it is. Um, and that was a lie. This was a brand new type of technology. You only found that out afterwards. Um, and as a result of you not being informed of that, you're now injured and you have every right to be incredibly angry about this. But I would also add that I think everybody should who's had this should be incredibly angry that they weren't informed that this was a new type of treatment and that it can do this to you but we don't see a sort of mass anger about this i do i th i think the general public who are invested in this they understand that this is a new mrna technology at this point that's not a secret but i don't see any real level of anger about this outside of um people that know about stories like yours do you have any perspective on that as someone that's you know um, yeah. yeah, loads, loads of perspective. I mean, one, one. I think there's two aspects to this. One is that people are unaware of the side effects and the, and the vaccine injuries because they're so suppressed. And I'll talk about that. Um, but the other, and I've forgotten what the other is, brain fog kicking in slightly there. It'll come back to me while I'm talking. There was two things. I'll come back to the other second one. I'm sure it'll, it'll reveal itself. The 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 censorship now. I, when I first got vaccine injured, I knew that it was a vaccine, but I was doubting myself. And I thought, well, you know, at some point, um, something will appear on the news or in the newspaper or, you know, a Google feed or somewhere, somebody will start talking about this and, and that'll confirm that I'm vaccine injured. And it wasn't until six months later, and I actually combed through the mast cell activation support groups for any clues any hints that anybody had had this triggered by a vaccine and there wasn't any but where I saw vague hints I actually really stuck my neck out and started private messaging people complete strangers which I would never normally do asking very blunt questions was this a vaccine and some were answering yes um, and I found a, a vaccine support injury group, a vac vaccine injury support group in America. But it wasn't until February of 2022 that I found the UK group. So that was from July to February before I found anyone in the UK with vaccine injury. And there are thousands of us. Yes, you know, and your group everywhere. They, That's they, right. Deleted from Facebook. I, I'm sure right. know, people know about this. That these are vaccine support groups. These are not misinformation. This is for people like you to find each other and get advice yeah. from one another and help. Yes, and I actually run one of those now. We, um, John Watt, Alex Mitchell, and I set up the Scottish Vaccine Injury Group. That's a Scott big group, so we could go for co-participants in the Scottish Public Inquiry into COVID. You have to apply as a group, so we formed a group. Um, and of course, we've turned into a support group, not just a, a lobbying group. Um, but we can't. I mean, one of the things that I have to say to people is you must agree before you join our group that you cannot use the word COVID or vaccine or Pfizer or AstraZeneca or Ivermectin on our group page, not even in your comments. So um, and and. You know, we have to trust that people don't do that because we get um, big fact warnings, fact check warnings on our page. And I've seen people, um, you know, a lot of our vaccine injury people friend each other on Facebook. And I think that the algorithms are following us and linking us. 
um, because people are actually getting fact check warnings on their page just for showing a photograph of the sunset and saying, wow, what a lovely evening. And these Facebook fact checkers are appearing on posts like that saying, go to the COVID whatever website. And we're like, what? This is a sunset. <laughs> And the next thing, their their accounts get frozen, and you know, for a few days, and and it's like slap on the wrist, right? You can come back, um, but people get shut down altogether. That happened to John Watt. It's happened to Alex. So I ha I can't share anything on my personal page about what's happening to me because that would endanger my group, my my support group. So I can't even tell my friends on Facebook what's going on. So it's crazy. So I sent out, uh, you know, a letter with my Christmas cards this year. So, you know, about 20 people, because I sent about 20 cards, 20 people all know what's happening, but the rest don't. But I have hinted at things. And, and you know, it's sad that the friends that I've known from years back who, who contacted me uh, about this very issue, and I won't go into their personal details, but from the support groups we have, terrible injuries I mean, people who are basically preparing to die they are i mean they've, they've given me their their relatives information so the relatives can continue with the public inquiry because they think they'll be dead by the time it starts so yes we're angry but if you if you start being angry then it doesn't help and since a lot of our issues to do with the nervous system i definitely don't want to be angry because I have to stay very calm I find I can't, I can't get too excited I can't get too happy about something and I can't get angry about something because that makes me really really ill for days mm. um so so people don't know because it's not in the media it's not in social media and sometimes there's kind of a stigma of saying you're vaccine injured I know when I first told my friends I actually got you know their their response was almost violent you know it was quite aggressive in defense of the vaccine and 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 well well yes this has happened to you but you you still need to get vaccinated because it's selfish if you don't you know this is the kind of attitude and that's why I went to get vaccinated in the first place because we were being told by politicians and by the media that we were selfish if we didn't do it and and those words were actually used You'd be selfish if you don't do it because you need to stop the spread of COVID. And, you know, I, I shared in Edinburgh that my son, um, who now thankfully has his own place, he's he's gone and bought his own um, flat, which is great for him. Sad for me because I loved having him here. But he's a nurse. And um, my other son, meanwhile, was working at Tesco. He was a student, but working at Tesco. So he was going to Tesco and bringing back goodness knows what back into our house and there's my son who was a nurse that we had to protect him to make sure that he didn't take COVID back to his patients I mean he had a vaccine vaccine obviously very early on um so that was my main reason otherwise I don't think I would actually have done it because I've had reactions to medications in the past and I don't put anything in my body unless I know exactly what I'm doing unless I know I have to um, so, yeah. I mean, nobody that I speak to has to explain their reasons for getting vaccinated, just as nobody should have to explain their reasons for not getting vaccinated. That was a huge crux of the issue was um, this invasion of privacy and, and telling you what, you know, the government is now going to decide what's best for your body. You don't get that right anymore. Um, but it... it <laughs> The, the coercion has been massive and, and and I can't really imagine the added trauma of of these bad reactions from um from friends and family and stuff like that and people that just don't want to accept that there could be a downside to all this because it means that we're not having a debate on logical grounds we're coming from we're coming from this sort of purely traumatized place and I wonder, if it's because, you know, lockdown and everything was so traumatic that people can't bear the idea of the thing that saved us, which is the vaccine, being a bad thing. You know, how dare you criticise that? That was supposed to be our 
our savior. Um, it's very strange because I just want to have a rational conversation about it. And there was, there's been so much bullying over the past few years. And now the end result of it is people like you not getting the help that you need. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think there was an awful lot of fear generated during the lockdown period. If there hadn't been, people wouldn't have agreed to it. You know, that terror of, oh, if we step outside our door, we're going to die. <laughs> or we're going to get some awful disease and we're going to take it back to somebody we love and they're going to die. And um, so, first of all, there was that fear. Then there was the lockdowns. And then there was some freedom because of the vaccine. And so people were losing incomes. They were losing, you know, I mean, the loneliness and the isolation alone were, were kill, was killing people, right? So so the thought of, oh, I'm, I've got my freedom back and it's because of the vaccine. But if, if the vaccine is damaging people, then we won't have the vaccine. So does that mean that we're going to be at risk of catching COVID and dying and being back into lockdowns and losing our incomes and not seeing our loved ones. So the ramifications of it are vast. Um, I mean, I, I just hope that what I'm hearing is correct, that the, you know, the strains that are around now are not life-threatening and, you know, that we, that we could halt these vaccines for further testing. Um, and people wouldn't die horribly. I mean, am, am I anti-vax? No, I I had my kids vaccinated, and 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 I am all for vaccination. But this one terrifies me. Absolutely, <laughs> this new technology terrifies me. And what terrifies me most is that it's now going to be developed and um, and used to deliver all sorts of vaccines. Well, well, it can't be used for that because of um, what's happened to people like you. It's killed far too many people and injured far too many people. So I'm not going to stop what I'm doing um, yeah. until until everybody knows. Because I just, I mean, you guys aren't going to go away. And, and this is happening more and more and people are getting connected. Sorry, how long was it that you were out in the wilderness on your own before you found six, some people six months six months um yeah. and and was it a while before you found like john and alex and people that are more local and yes well it wasn't until i joined ukcv family in february that i started to connect with you know people and and, and charlotte did this great thing where she basically said right well where are you let's do a buddy host let's try and connect people locally but the fact is even even if somebody was five miles down the road from me I still wasn't able to go and see them I was too ill yeah um so we had zoom meetings and things like that and honestly I have forged friendships that I know I'll have for the rest of my life <laughs> you know friendships that are formed in adversity are powerful friendships um their family um but it's incredibly isolating. I mean, that those six months, I really questioned my own sanity. And my GP was equally lost. He 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 was so supportive, so lovely. And he said that I I don't know if it's a vaccine. I don't know. We just don't know enough about these vaccines to know. I mean, the timeline suggests yes, but he's not an immunologist but then I did see an immunologist who told me that it wasn't it couldn't possibly be the vaccine and to go and get my booster I, I think we need to dwell on this for a second because this is another one of the patterns that I've spotted the more people I talk to is that when it comes to doctors they're divided completely in two between heroes and villains people either say I can't thank my doctor enough he's doing everything he can or the absolute opposite, where they've been completely gaslit and told it's all in their head. Um, or, I mean, John's current story, it's as if there's some other doctor who's trying to sabotage the good treatment that um, that a great doctor has found from. And so has this been your experience, that it's just one or the other, black and white? Well, to be honest, I haven't gone near many, very many doctors. <laughs> I mean, I, I was speaking to my GP about the anaphylaxis and stuff but I mean I knew 
from my experience at the A&E department when I had anaphylaxis that I really didn't want to be going near hospitals. I sat in for four hours waiting to see the doctor with anaphylaxis. So you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, thankfully, I had stopped. I had, I had taken um, an overdose, basically, of antihistamines because I knew what was happening to me. And I just thought, right, an overdose is not going to be as bad as the anaphylaxis is going to be. And um, so I sat there. I mean, they checked that I was still breathing and then just sent me to the, the, the waiting room. I know now that the bounce back and the rebound with anaphylaxis can be very sudden. So I could have been dead there in the in the emergency waiting room and nobody would have noticed. just people sitting next to me would have noticed because the staff certainly wouldn't have. Um, and with the, did they gaslight me? No, but they sent me away with inappropriate medication um, and and I wasn't followed up. Um, my GP was lovely, but completely out of his depth. Mm. He, he just didn't know where to send me. Um, he he really really struggled. He he listened to me and he believed me and he treated me to the best of his ability. Um, but unfortunately, there's right with GPs. This is this is what happens. You've got a list of medications that each local health authority are allowed to give out, and against the 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 name of the medication is a name of an illness that they're allowed to prescribe it for. So they have to stick to what this list of medications. So it's the one medication like paracetamol could be for fever or for pain or, in, you know, they have a list of different conditions. And um, GPs can't, really can't prescribe out with that pres prescribed list, whereas consultants can. So even though my GP, I could tell him which medications I needed, he couldn't prescribe them for me because they're not on his list against the conditions that I was displaying. Does that make sense? And because mast cell activation is such a new condition, according to the NHS, some local authorities don't even have it listed as a condition to medicate for. So it wasn't until I saw a consultant and my GP really put his neck on the line because he took the word of a private consultant, not an NHS consultant. He could have said no to me, but he's now prescribing those medications that he's really not allowed to prescribe on the, on the word of a consultant that I paid to go and see. So some of the medications I'm still having to pay for because you can't get on the NHS, you can't get melatonin unless you have certain conditions and ivermectin is a huge no-no and a lot of people with vaccine injury take LVN which is low dose naltroxone, um, which is an anti-inflammatory and that isn't available on the N NHS either and apparently it's unlikely to ever be because the pharmaceutical companies wouldn't push it because it is what it says it's low dose which means there's not much money in it for them um, so thankfully, it's quite a cheap medication to get privately, I believe. Um, yeah, so gaslighting the anaphylaxis clinic. If I didn't already have Dr. Medi's contact details from John Watt, and had I not already expected that I'd need to go and see him, I would have been devastated by my treatment. I, I, and I can see why people take their own life. I honestly can. Because... I was in such a mess. Life was, I mean, I, I literally couldn't step out the front door without knowing if I was going to go into anaphylaxis. You know, diesel fumes. I even went to Weatherspoons with some friends shortly after the second, the, the second anaphylaxis that I had. And, and I thought, what can I eat? I didn't even know what I could eat safely. And I thought chips, chips have got to be safe, surely. So I had chips. And they put me into anaphylaxis. It made the glass go. You know, I mean, I'm not talking about full-blown anaphylaxis here with all of them. You know, I, I'd spot the symptoms starting you, you, with anaphylaxis. You start to have like hot flushes and you start to get breathless and you lose your voice. And, you know, there's a lot of signals before you go into full-blown anaphylaxis. So, so I was able to stop it 
But again, I just overdosed on antihistamines and then rang my GP and said, help. Yeah. <laughs> this is what's happened. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I just didn't know from one day to the next what I could eat, what I could drink. I couldn't even drink tap water without reacting to it. And so then I went and got um, great Amazon Prime next day delivery, um, you know, a water filter. And then I was fine. <laughs> you know, I was eating apples because I knew that I could eat apples, but apples and white rice for ages because I didn't know what I could eat. So people in MCAS, if you're out there and you're listening and you think you have MCAS, you need what's called a low histamine diet. So you can Google that and um, eat foods that are low in histamine. I didn't know that foods had histamine in them. And because my body was already producing so much histamine on its own, even adding a tiny amount more histamine was tipping me into extreme allergic responses. So if you're having those kind of reactions, you need to eat a histamine-free diet, which is quite limiting, but liberating <laughs> if it means you won't have those reactions. Um, so you need to Google that. Well, so that's been one of the one of the most effective things is changing your diet. Yes, yes. So I'm I'm, I'm still on a histamine-free diet. You're only supposed to do it for a month, but I'm here 18 months later, and I still believe it or not can't eat fresh meat because it's too high histamine. I have to cook any meat I eat from frozen. It has to be you know killed in the abattoir and frozen within 30 minutes, and then I have to cook it within 30 minutes or it's too high histamine and I have to eat it straight away. So I can't go out and eat in a restaurant, uh, not at all. Oh. Um, so I can't go into a supermarket and buy anything ready-made or, you know, I have to cook everything from scratch. Yeah, there's, uh, so, there's so much. And, and you know, this is why I'm committed to helping out um, in any way that I can, because I don't see why people like you in your situation wouldn't be at the front of where our tax money goes, especially because it all goes to the NHS, really. About half of all of our tax money goes to the NHS. And you ought to be priority cases because you need urgent help because all of these conditions appear to be so new. They need specialists. They can't be diagnosed and treated by GPs. Yes. Uh, and there's so many of them. Yes. So, and, and 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 the one the one specialist the one person that everybody I know with mass cell activation who's sent to is that person I saw, who did actually mention the anxiety word. She did say that with the lockdown and the 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 overall anxiety levels that I had built myself up to anaphylaxis through anxiety, and it wasn't my personal situation or my personal anxiety but generalized anxiety I was like you're off your trolley um I like I actually laughed at her and then I showed her the list of symptoms that I had and said you can you put all of these down to anxiety and then she started to backpedal and and said oh well your GP should have sent you to see a neurologist and an ENT specialist and then oh you should really should have seen a dermatologist I said but this is all mast cell activation all of these things so all I need is a treatment for mast cell activation and she actually walked off and didn't come back and that was it wow over conversation over um so yeah that was it so I went to see Dr Mehdi and 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 honestly the FLCCC protocol I'm, I know I'm like a walking advert but it really has helped me and they have lots of different um stages of the protocol so you start at level one and level one is ivermectin and intermittent fasting and that's another thing that that a lot of us are finding helpful is intermittent fasting so we fast for 16 hours a day and eat for eight or even longer and if I'm having a really bad day I just fast all day you know I'll just maybe have a smoothie with celery and kale and it's disgusting and root ginger <laughs> and eat apples my favorite <laughs> um, and it really does it's like it's like a pill it's fantastic um, yeah and melatonin so that those are some of the main front line treatments and all, obviously all the mass cell medications because people it's interesting people who go into a cytokine storm with COVID 
it's a mass cell reaction. That's what they're having. So the people who are really, really seriously ill in hospital, it's mass cell activation that's behind a lot of that. Apart from the, the pneumonias and things like that, obviously that's different. Um, yeah. So. And what do you think people haven't connected that dot and that you've spotted it? Oh, no, 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 it's well known. Okay. <laughs> it's well known because they, they talk about cytokine storms and people um, in hospital with acute COVID-19 infection being in cytokine storms. That's mm. a mast cell reaction. It's a storm of mast cells going crazy. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you found... Um ways to deal with this and that you are having progress um and so you were able to get out and about at the weekend right yes yeah, yeah. Can you tell us about... drive me obviously but there I was in Edinburgh at the truth be told rally I mean when when I first started all this there was people in the group who would do public speaking and I was like no I couldn't do that because I honestly at that point couldn't have coped with any of the backlash that you get from speaking out publicly because unfortunately there is if you had cancer you wouldn't get abuse abuse piled on you but with this you do and um i don't understand why people have so much difficulty believing us every medication has side effects you know so there's going to be side effects unfortunately there's an awful lot of us um so i wasn't really up for public speaking whatsoever um but i just since I've started to feel better, I have become more and more angry because I can allow myself now to be angry, but it's a kind of a righteous anger that justice has to be done. And I'm not wanting to see individuals punished or, you know, I don't want to see any witch hunts going on. But overall, this has to be sorted and your justice has to be done and the lies have to be exposed and I do believe there's enough been an awful lot of lying and um covering up going on and and I don't think it's an accident that the mainstream media aren't reporting on this and so thank you to guys like you who are willing to stick your neck out I mean without you we wouldn't have a voice so Fiona from um Toby Leaks organized the rally on on Saturday and honestly I can't thank her enough I mean, somebody who's so selfless, she she I mean, she basically set up this whole campaign for us and didn't ask for anything in return. It was just about us. And she was so honouring and so protective and so respectful. Um, and so people from our group, just average Joe blogs, we all are, um, were really brave. They came on their crutches and in their wheelchairs and... I mean, one somebody only managed to stay for now. They're driven all the way from the borders, and um, she got really unwell. And her her seventy something year old husband had to quickly take her home again. Um, you know, this lovely old couple. I mean, it's not fair to call them old. That's ageist, isn't it? Um, but you know, we we love everybody in our group, and and I couldn't believe it that they would drive all the way from the borders because they wanted people to hear their story they wanted to to tell people you know what's happening and, and they're an example of a couple that have been extremely gaslighted he's been um he went to see somebody privately and was told what um, treatment he needed on the nhs urgently or else it could be critical and um he's been told that the waiting list is over a year for that particular treatment so he's prepared to die yeah, and so it's urgent that you guys find each other and that we um and that we do things like this so that there can be a support network. Um I, I think I think it is unbelievable that Facebook will just delete the support networks like that. And and it does get reported on. I'm sure the Daily Mail or GB News have reported on this, but it doesn't stop and there's no solution. I would have thought that when you get a news story like that, the 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 sensible reaction from the establishment would be, oh, God, well, we'd better set something up then. Um, I mean, I mean, have you looked into compensation in any way? I'm, I'm, I'm guessing the um, vaccine damage payment scheme is. I haven't. I haven't even applied for PIP because I, I when I was really ill, I didn't have the capacity to do it. I literally couldn't. 
And now I don't think I'd be eligible. I don't know how I would prove 60% disability. But we are, we are, we have applied as a group to the Scottish Public Inquiry, and we've also applied to the UK Public Inquiry. And I'm hoping that these issues will be addressed. I don't have a lot of confidence in public inquiries, but it's a start. And I'm just, I'm, I'm basically biding my time, just hoping that all of this will break open and things will actually be improved. Um, but there's people in our group, I mean, I, I'm, I don't know if I ever will apply for it for myself because I hate taking money out of the taxpayer's pocket, basically. Um, but some people really deserve it and need it, and I'm going to fight for them. Um, I mean, I don't know if we've seen what's happening in Australia um, with, um, what's her name, um, Jackie Phelps. Have you heard about that? Go on. Yeah, well, she is a very public figure. She's a doctor who's on... Um, daytime television a lot and she was also in charge of the whole health system in Australia I believe at one point um, and is also involved in politics and her and her wife have both been vaccine injured so they came out publicly and it's like the, this, the lid has blown off things in Australia and um, it has transpired that the government basically put a, a gag order on doctors and told them they were not allowed to share any information that would, that would be contradictory or, con, you know, against the, the government's agenda. Mm. So basically, the politicians were dictating what the doctors could say. So all the all the studies that were coming out showing all the side effects from the vaccines and how they should be treated, they weren't allowed to talk about them if it went against the government's agenda. And um, it's just shocking. So it's all blowing open in Scotland, in, in Australia. I'd love to see it happen in Scotland. Um, and people are threatening to sue. Um, but basically, unfortunately, what they're, they're, they're threatening to sue the doctors and nurses who vaccinated them who actually delivered the vaccine who then in turn can then sue the authorities that told them they had to do it but I then I would hate to do that to doctors and nurses because they were doing their best you know they I, I believe they were as hoodwinked as we were well yeah my sort of perspective on it is that the um is that there's absolutely no blame with with the public for believing the experts that they were told were experts. But the higher you go up that chain of command, um, you know, the more culpable you are. So if you are a nurse who has just been recruited to help with this urgent vaccine rollout, you're nowhere near as culpable as um, somebody who's an expert in immunology and this kind of stuff that's been advising the government or Dame Sarah Gilbert and these kind of names. And the buck does absolutely have to stop somewhere. And um, and from my perspective, even a five-year-old understands no long-term safety data. So I'm very dubious of anyone who says, well, new data has come to light because the whole point was that there was no long-term safety data. So it was always, and any product is considered unsafe until you've made sure that it's safe. So it makes no sense to say, oh, we've now discovered it's unsafe. Well, it was always unsafe until it yes. was declared safe. Well, it's only, I mean, I don't know if they're at level three yet, but, but you know, if you look at the, the levels of the, um, What's the word? I'm losing words now. Well, testing, um, even I've forgotten it as well. You know, I, the, no. means, the means the testing, the, the... The trial phases. The trials. Well done. Thank you. The trial phases. You're so gracious. Um, so until, I don't know if it's at level three yet, but until we get to level four, they're still called experimental. So we weren't told that we would be taking an experimental vaccine. Not at all. And why not? 
And people still aren't. This is the other point is that yeah. it's still going on. I drive past a vaccination centre at work every day. And as we went into winter, the queue got longer again. It never shrank down to nothing. There was always at least one person. Rain or shine, they're in masks. But as we went into winter, it went up again. And it's just, and, you know, I feel very helpless there because I spend all of my time talking to people like you. And I can't spend all of my time going down there trying to warn people because it's too, it's too much to take on both at once. And I really admire, there's um, like Piers Corbyn and his gang, they don't stop trying to warn people. They just go around with megaphones at these vaccine centres handing out real facts to people and they've been doing it ever since it started um but it's too tiring it's so tiring it's exhausting because we're basically i think often we're we're, we're just shouting at an echo chamber because we're the only people who are hearing it are the people that know it mm. and it's trying to spear you know, get through that to the people who who don't know and 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 until mainstream media pick this up I think it's going to be very difficult and or word of mouth a lot you know a lot of um people hear through word of mouth i i did actually stick my neck out slightly and put a very quick advert up on our local community face group page and and i watched the you know it disappear within 30 seconds as other things other posts came up it just disappeared but then i got an email from one person and she said I got your email address, it flashed up on the screen and then it disappeared. And she said, she only lives a few miles away from me and she's vaccine injured. And that was just for 30 seconds that thing was up there. So I think, well, how many more people are there on my doorstep? But unless I go out and speak to people, I guess I won't know. Um, but I need to be more brave maybe. Well, um, a lot of people won't have connected the dots. That's the key is you, um, you were quite sure of what, had caused this quite out of the gate i mean you've also said that um that you could feel the effect the medication was having on you so i wonder if you're quite in tune with this kind of stuff and you know your own body yeah, um, yeah. but that's not everyone and there's going to be people that are not connecting these dots yeah. so many people made ill and um and they've also been trained to think that it's not that you know I've got a family member who's had a very serious medical condition in the last two years and I'm the only one in the family that will consider that it could be this it is an allergic reaction it's like no 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 it won't be that well it could be you yeah. know I don't yeah look, look at um Epstein Barr example I mean I actually was last week speaking to a young man who um, was hospitalized with Epstein-Barr and and I explained to him and and pointed him in the direction of the studies that have come out the peer-reviewed studies showing um, how many people who have had Epstein-Barr virus triggered in their bodies directly by the COVID vaccines you know Guillain-Barr syndrome you've got transverse myelitis you've got I mean the list goes on you just have to um, get your hands on the Pfizer list that H page list of side effects I mean I'm here on the um, coronavirus vaccine summary from the yellow card scheme here and there's pages and pages of stuff on the yellow card scheme but people don't know to go and look for that no and 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 doctors and and the MHRA say they don't trust the yellow card scheme, but the government just throw it at you. I mean, my my MP wrote to the Scottish Health Minister, and I just got this pat answer back. Yes, we'll just report it to yellow card. They go, what's the point? A lot of us are reporting to yellow card, and and our reports are going missing. Mm. Yeah, and I think one of the scariest bits about it, one of the scariest details is that every, obviously we know the yellow card is way underreported, um, but every single adverse event that gets reported to that definitely happened. That definitely happened to someone and it was definitely yes. caused by the jabs. Every life saved due to the vaccine is based on a model and is unprovable. You can't prove that a single life has been saved by this preventative measure. Yes. All, all of their predictions are based on just the 
just the area of statistics with the least validity, which is modeling, whereas this is direct causation yes. on our side. And to give it to young people and children. I mean, my heart is literally broken for somebody that I know whose 17 year old son died suddenly in their sleep. It's somebody I personally know. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was being asked, do you think it could be the vaccine? And 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 the answer is yes. But but my answer was you you need to let this go and move on. You can't wonder. <laughs> you gotta get on with your life. I mean, how do you live with that? How how would you live with it if the child was younger? At least he made his own decision. But I mean, I have two sons in their early 20s and my heart breaks to think about the damage that's been done to our young people. It's like sending them all out to World War I, to the trenches. We were sending them out to fight somebody else's fight, somebody else's battle. Yes, some of them may be um, you know, prone to getting very sick with COVID-19, but not very many of them. The majority of them will be fine. So why are we doing this? We're just sending them to slaughter as far as I'm concerned. Well, I think that that was the, the case the whole way through is that um, is that young people were never particularly at risk of this, but they suffered the worst penalties. You know, two years of missed school, um, yeah. masks in class, all sorts of... I, I can't imagine the effect on really really young kids i actually felt really glad that i didn't have kids going through this i want a family i'm really glad i haven't had it yet yeah i mean if you look at if you look child development the importance of social interaction with other children is vital in the early years you know below the age of three for normal social awareness and, and for actual physical brain development you know, sounding like an expert I did I did I did some um, psychology and, and child development education and to, to lock families down and to stop children at that age from interacting with other children at that age was actually detrimental to their development that is never going to be made up for when they're older because that plasticity plasticity and that that brain formation happens at that crucial age and after that, it's too late. The, the orphans in Romania were an example. I mean, that was more extreme because they didn't have interaction with their, their mothers and they didn't have people smiling at them and they couldn't do, you know, um, copying and things modelled to them. But but I have no doubt that this will have impacted young children, like you say. Mm. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and so to just bump the... Um the age range down to i think we're at six months now that the uh the jabs have been approved for it's absurd it's a nation committing suicide um and and this is why i won't shut up about it so uh one one last thing i've got to check is how was the reaction in edinburgh and how was the atmosphere from the group that was there and also from passers-by well um i can only tell you what i saw um, and when I was speaking, I could see people who were passing by stopping, you know, they're out with their dogs or whatever, and they were stopping to listen. And I could see expressions of absolute shock and horror, and I could see people crying. Um, so people were impacted by the campaign. How many, I don't know, because I think a lot of the crowd were just there because they knew about it and they were maybe anti-vaxxers or, you know, they were supporting people um, vaccine injured. Um, and I didn't get to take part in the march at the end because, you know, we were outside St. Giles Cathedral and then the march went all the way down the mound and along Princess Street. And apparently Fiona was out stopping the traffic, saying, stop, stop. Um, and all the traffic came to a halt while people were marching with the banner. And my husband was giving out leaflets. And he said that if he mentioned the leaflet was about a vaccine injury, he was actually um, coming up against a lot of hostility. Um, so he was just engaging people in conversation and then slipping them the leaflet and, and leaving. <laughs> um so I, d I don't know how we were received 
to be honest. I think some people were were really, if they could hear our stories, they were really engaged. I think there's nothing like personal testimony. Um, but I, I don't want to be somebody that's always going on and on about how bad this is. It is bad, but I want to be proactive and talking about how we can get better and how we can change things in the future so this never ever ever happens again and i'm mm. hoping that the inquiry will help towards that and if it doesn't then we'll just have to go through civil courts because we can't have this repeated no we absolutely can't well thank you very much for joining me today ruth it's been an absolute pleasure and i am glad that stuff is is essentially going well and that you've you've found ways to deal with this because that's it's not so common that I get good news when I'm doing this. Um, and that is a bit of good news. <laughs> Great. And thank you so much for your time. It's been such a pleasure to meet you and talk to you.